Hello, this is Jesse Weiler for Adoramus Bulletin. To continue this relationship that we're building with our friends in Australia, today I welcome William Schaefer, who has a degree in history and ancient history and a master's of urban planning. He lives with his wife and two daughters in Perth, where he works as a town planner. He recently wrote this article for Adoramus titled Liturgy at the Intersection of Humanity and Divinity, where there are no box stores, only beauty in the city of God. It's a fascinating article, and we get to break this down with them. So without further ado, another Adoramus interview. Hi, Will. How are you doing today? Very well, thanks, Jesse. Thanks for having me on. It's great to meet you. Uh, it's great to meet you, too, and uh, thank you for getting up so early. We're doing this on opposite sides of the world here today, but... That didn't stop us from wanting to talk about your, your article in Adorama's Bulletin about the intersection of humanity and divinity, which uh, I absolutely loved the imagery that you used in this article and how you kind of express these high theological concepts in a very domestic way using, you know, common street slang, <laughs> literally street slang. And uh, I absolutely love this. Can, can you tell me a little bit about the, uh, what, what gave you this idea to kind of this article and doing it in this way? Well, um, Jesse, I'm, I'm not um, especially well-trained in theology or anything like that. Um, my, my background is mostly ancient history and classics. Um, I also have a, a degree in town planning. I've been a town planner for about 15 years. And it's perhaps a, uh, a credit to um, how influenced I've been by my profession that um, I, I do sometimes read what I see in my profession into the ancient texts and um, things like that, that I consult um, more in a ho- the capacity of a, a hobbyist. So I, I couldn't really help but see some parallels between um, town planning as a profession and Augustan city of God in particular. Absolutely. And you know, um, Chris Carsons, who's the editor of Adoramus Bulletin and myself and another gentleman, Dr. Dennis McNamara, uh, we're on this podcast together called the liturgy guys. And we did an episode on this. Um, the episode's called, uh, we built this city and Dennis walks us through, uh, architectural hierarchy. So, so can you mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about that? When, when, when these, um, you know, ancient cities were being built, they gave pride of place to the more important buildings and they built them on that uh, to the degree that those buildings were more important for the community. Can you talk about that a little bit and then we can kind of dive into this article more? Uh, Yeah, great question. I I always think of um, pharaohs when I think of um, powerful people with city founding intentions uh, who wanted to make statements about um, not only who they, they were in their lifetimes and the, the prominent roles they had in, in their countries at the time, but also what might become of them even in the afterlife. So, so we all know the, the Great Pyramids. Um, we know cities like Thebes had enormously complex um, um, civic structures. Uh, the t- uh, temples in places like Thebes were very prominent. All, all these... Um, all these uh, buildings were founded with the intention of um, cementing, if you like, the, the prominence of these people in the cities around them. 
Absolutely. I, I, I think that's very clear. And we see that even in kind of ancient Greece and ancient Rome as well. One thing that I wanted, as I read your article, I kind of wanted to parse out this, uh, how do we deal with the past, present, and future, right? So in liturgy, we have something called a procession, which some people call as an assembly on the move. And, and this is kind of the theme throughout your, your article is that we have a destination, we're going somewhere, but how do we parse out honoring our past, living in the present and knowing who we are, but also knowing that we have a destination kind of in this, in this human realm, knowing you know, where we're headed? Yeah, uh, interesting question. I, it's such a, a deep question that uh, we're often lost as we think of answers for it. Perhaps we don't even know that we're, we're looking for answers to that question. Perhaps that's why um, so many folks in the modern world who are um, a little distant from this part of themselves seem so confused without knowing why. As Catholics, I think we're so lucky to have some kind of answer, and of course, through the liturgy, um, some prompts, some, um, some help some in, in shaping our attention and um, prompting our wills in the right direction. And that is for us, of course, towards God, no matter which stage of the journey we're on, no matter uh, what our circumstances, if, if we're at least somewhere inside ourselves conscious of where we want to go, and if our physical environments, at least inside our churches during the Mass. But I would love to think um, perhaps one day in society more generally, there's some help for us on any stage of our journey to direct our attention towards God where it belongs. And, and you know, I, I love that you you talk about how we can get confused here and we can start to as you say, make wrong turns and start worshiping things that, that aren't of heavenly nature. And we see that in, you know, in modernism, you know, architecture, and we start to see what is important to our culture. And so how does, you know, this earthly reality reflect what the culture is driving at? Well, it, it was said uh, during medieval times that, um, someone approaching a big city like Paris or uh, Cologne would see from a distance in, in the sheer form and typology of the buildings they, in, in the center of the city, what was most important to the residents of that city. In medieval times, of course, the cities such as those ones were dominated by beautiful cathedrals. You know, they were the buildings that towered above everything else. They were the buildings you could see from many miles away even as you were um, barely at the outskirts of the town. It's very different in the modern world, as you know immediately when you look at any big city. Most of what you see in the centre of a city uh, is some sort of monument to commerce, skyscrapers in particular, but there are also modern cathedrals in inverted commas, such as um, sporting grounds. They are very prominent uh, in cityscapes at night because their giant lights um, have such a powerful effect. Uh, it's almost like these cities reflect everything but God. And that is very telling, I think. I think if we have that kind of um, uh, land use, if I use a, a very dry town, if I may <laughs> use a very dry town planning term here in the centers of our cities uh, and 
no space or or building typology devoted to God, we've lost something very precious to us. And it's no wonder we're confused. Whatever we put at the center of our hearts um, is going to have a profound effect on us. And if we forget to put the right thing at the center of our hearts, we're, we're going to be pretty unhappy, confused people. So I, I do feel as, as a Catholic looking at um, the world around me, the physical world around me in cities in particular, a little bit sad sometimes. It's, it's sad to see that um, we have lost something so beautiful, something that could be so uplifting. Um, we're just a little afraid of now. And mm-hmm. we, we crowd it out with these other buildings. Well, not for lack of trying, because as you, as you may probably know, um, especially here in Chicago or where I'm from, there was this kind of race for skyscraper chapels as well. So there's a I know of a mm-hmm. couple of uh, skyscraper churches. There's a Methodist one downtown in the loop. And their idea was saying, OK, they're building these tall buildings around us. And we want to say this is still important. So they would build these skyscrapers. And then at the very top, they they build these these chapels or these churches. So um, not for lack of trying. I think people really had good intentions there. Uh, so uh, I, I want to stick with these uh, these road sign themes that you have here. And. I was kind of thinking myself, there might be some more that we could add to this. Uh, you know, you have rough road ahead and, and one way streets and all of this, but probably there should be something like a yield, you know, or, uh, or a U-turn, you know, yield, have caution here, you know, that's kind of the rough road head uh, ahead. But then also I, I think through the segment of confession, we can kind of, uh, you know, repent or U-turn, turn away from sin, which I think is kind of fascinating as well. And so, uh, you know, I think those things are incredibly important as, as well. So what are some things that we can do to make sure that we're on that right path and we are headed towards those heavenly streets? Well, Augustine was kind enough to give us some clues in the city of God itself. Um, he, he uses the metaphors of city loosely. There's no resident of the earthly city, for example, um, that is doomed to be in that city forever, to, to switch citizenship um, and switch from the earthly city to the heavenly city is simply a matter of um, accepting salvation. So uh, as you pointed out, through, through the sacraments, for example, uh, confession, the, the Eucharist, you, you can um, be lost in the earthly city, yet still almost immediately um, through, through will, you could say, become a citizen of the heavenly city or the, the city of God immediately. I, I think there's some comfort there, and there's, there's a lot of theological truth in that. Um, we are never, ever so lost that we can't turn back to God. God is the, uh, if we are the prodigal son, God is always that father who is looking for us, who, who want, who's roaming the city, if we want to extend this metaphor, roaming the city, looking for us, um, hoping that we will respond to his invitation to come and join him in the heavenly city. So although in the the article that has been published, um, we're speaking of citizens who are lost in this city of earth, um, worshipping the wrong thing, um, confused, unhappy, um, we do have a God who is um, a, a very loving mayor of even the earthly city, and he will be there if we ask him, indeed, he's looking for us all the time. I, I think that's um, powerful. If we were to 
uh, roll with some street names or street types that might be appropriate. Um, I, I would say uh, God puts, puts a lot of bridges over these streets. Um, there, there's no street that's too busy for him to cross to reach us and vice versa. He'll, he'll always be there um, if we're looking for him to, if we ask him. So uh, the, the other street typology I think that is interesting here is the cul-de-sac. I, I don't know if um, American planners use the term much, but it's, it's common here. Have, I actually live in a cul-de-sac. So. Oh, you live in a cul-de-sac. Yeah, yeah well, uh, cul-de-sacs often have um, pedestrian lanes associated with them. You might not be able to drive your car very readily through a, 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 cul, a suburb full of cul-de-sac, but mm -hmm. you can often walk through them fairly readily. Uh, I think pedestrian laneways might be a little, um, it might be a, a street term we could use in the, in the earthly city a bit more often. Uh, we can wander through the, the traps we make for ourselves despite ourselves sometimes. You know, we might get stuck in life um, here or there, but um, as we often find as we are older and we look back on some of the decisions we've made, um, there's sometimes the the smartest things that we did, the stupidest things we did are sometimes the smartest things that we did. We um, emerge from those somehow, despite ourselves, probably through the grace of God, ultimately um, wiser and better for them. So yeah, pedestrian access ways that give us outs from those cul-de-sacs might be, might be something we could explore in future iterations of this article, Jesse. Right. And I don't think that the allegory is done there either, because, you know, we, we also have slow lanes, fast lanes, expressways, things like that. And you may think, oh, we have this freeway or expressway, and that's the fastest and most direct way to get to that destination. But you could also say, if you are so myopic that you are only destination focused, that you don't bring anybody along with you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Then then what's yeah. it all for, you know? And so there's, there's a lot of other things that I think we can parse out here um, and, 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 you know, how, how fast or how direct we can get to this heavenly city. What do you think about that? Yeah, oh, the, the metaphor keeps giving, uh, Jesse. The, the freeways we, we spoke of just a minute ago are usually dominated by private cars, so cars with one occupant. Um, we, we do have lots of stats uh, that show uh, something like 80% of car journeys along the average freeway in the Western world are undertaken by solo drivers. What that's, uh, that does reflect, if you ask me, the, the state of the average life in Western society. We, we go it alone so often. We forget to include each other, even when we can, in these spacious vehicles of ours. Uh, and that is a great shame. In a, a, a world where... There isn't much incidental community, you could say, you know, because we hop into our cars and drive to work so often. Um, we don't interact with many people on the way to work. Um, a lot of people don't even have uh, families these days um, or the families are fairly small. So that limits our incidental interactions a little more too. You know, by, by the time you're finished with the average day, the average person is probably only interacted with um, perhaps some immediate family members and a few folks at work. Um, the, the days of bumping into folks uh, who are sitting on their front porches, 
shelling a, a bowl of peas, um, talking to talking to um, people in the neighbourhood as they walked by, seemed to have um, gone by the wayside a bit. The loveliest thing, if you ask me, or one of the many lovely things about being a Catholic is that if if you're in a parish, especially a healthy parish, there's so much incidental contact with the parishioners outside of the parish. An example would be uh, uh, a few years ago, my wife was fairly unwell following an operation and the, the, our children were a bit smaller and um, maybe I had a, a frazzled look about me when I was um, with, with the children at mass one day. One of the folks who attends the parish saw me, asked a few questions about how things were going at home. Perhaps a few hours later, I hear a knock at the front door of our house, which is just up the road from the, the local church. And this particular lady had left a casserole um, for me and the children on the front porch. She, she just knocked um, and, and walked away. I didn't get a chance to thank her at the time. But it did remind me just of what a blessing it is to be part of a community, um, to, to be on a, a bus, if we want to use this vehicle metaphor a little more, um, instead of a private motor vehicle um, racing along a freeway to a destination as quickly as it can. You know, if you're in a, a good parish, you're, you're, you're part of a, a big group of people who all want to get to the same place, all want to help each other out, all want to make the journey as comfortable as possible. I so, love that. I think that's great. That's such a great response. And I think I need to kind of be more hyper aware of that. Um, the, the last thing that comes to mind is the liturgy itself, uh, not necessarily being a one-way street. So if we look at what the church says is the, the purpose of the mass is to both glorify God, but then sanctify mankind. And so if it was a one-way street and we just went to mass and we ourselves were sanctified and, you know, we have access, then it's a bunch of us, you know, uh, together in those solo cars going together. But through the mass, through us being sanctified and offering ourselves, we can then let the mass bleed out into the streets and, uh, and brightened and, and, and be Christ for others. Uh, that I think is an incredibly important thing to think about in this kind of, you know, uh, urban landscape as well. Correct. Yeah. Well, ideally when we leave mass, we are charged up with the Eucharist, you might say, and we are sent forth from the mass into the world. It's as though the, the mass starts the week for us on the right note, uh, in the right spirit. And, and it is the start, you know, that's, that's how we approach the rest of the week because mass is often on a Sunday for so many of us. And we have worked flat out for six of the seven days of the week that the Sunday is often in our minds and, and in our lifestyles, the last day of the week. So we, we can sometimes, uh, if, we, if our Sabbath habits aren't strong, um, fall into a, a heap of relaxation, you could say, and do the opposite of being sent out. We, we uh, I wouldn't say turn in, but we're, we're less energetic than we, than we might be. We certainly aren't starting the week in the spirit of the Sabbath. So maybe that's, that's a way we could approach um, what the liturgy has done for us, at least in the mass, the sacred liturgy. We, we could let it charge us up uh, as we often do, but we could also let us, we could also let that experience um, strengthen us and uh, 
approach the coming week with with joy, with a Catholic Christian joy that is um, irreplaceable in this culture. Um, there's there's no equivalent to it. There's nowhere else you can get this stuff. This is where it's at, I think. So, yeah, if we could if we could approach mass that way, wonderful things would happen. I agree. It would flow right into the streets and then have people, uh, more people enlightened and to understand what's really there. And so those are those churches. Yeah. They're, they're heavenly portals for us, you know, and we've got to show people, we got to show people Christ, you know, he is the way. So, yeah. Well, well, thank you so much for, for this wonderful article and, and your great conversation about, you know, taking this a little further, I don't. I think we still scratch the th- the surface. I think there's a. Uh, I think there's a part two in this for you. So I'll see if I can pull uh-huh. some strings with the editor and see if we can't get another another uh, update on this article. But thank you so much for for writing this and giving us another look uh, at our lives uh, dedicated to Christ. So it's been a pleasure, Jesse. Thanks for your for for your time and thanks for the chat. Okay. God bless. <laughs>